You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. Hello and welcome to another episode of Writing Black. I'm your host, Maisha Kai, the Griot's Lifestyle Editor. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, And if you're returning, welcome back. You can catch up with all episodes of Writing Black and all the other suite of podcasts in the Griot's Library on the Griot Black Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. But today, we are talking about writing with somebody who I'm really excited to talk to. You know, a lot of you know, in my former pre-lifestyle editor life, I was a singer-songwriter. Uh, I occasionally still dabble. And uh, we've got a musician with us today who I've been a fan of since he first dropped. Uh, we have with, and he's got a new album out, so I'm really excited to talk about it. We have with us Jadena. How are you? Thank you oh. for joining us on Writing Black. Yes, thank you, Maisha. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, it's always a pleasure to be working with the Griot. And especially, we are thrilled to have you. Yeah, especially something called Writing Black. That's I was right. like, I, I started as a, a poet. So, like, as a little child, writing, scribbling little uh, poem lines on my, my composition notebook. So, I'm thrilled to talk about writing. Yeah. And, you know, that I love that you're already in that zone. You know, I know you've been heavily promoting the album and it deserves it. It's a great work. It came out in May um, and it's fantastic. Be You and God, uh, which the title alone says a lot. And we're going to talk. We're going to dig into a lot of that meaning. But I do want to talk about um, evolution. I want to talk about writing. I want to talk about so many things with you because I've been a fan for such a long time and it's always cool to see the arc of an artist's career um when you are blessed enough to be able to make a living at your creative craft everybody doesn't get to do that um you know there's some really magical things that can happen um and with you especially i think it's been so fun to kind of watch this um you know you you kind of evolving before our eyes in real time so um, you know, we were introduced to you as a classic man. I'm a classic man. You can be me when you look this clean. I'm a classic man. Calling on me like a young OG. I'm a classic man. <laughs> and, um, you know, with me, you and God, there's something different happening here. It feels like there's definitely, it's still manly. It's just a different approach to masculinity. I've heard, um, I've heard you use the phrase, the divine masculine uh, when talking about this album tell me tell me how this album came to be yeah you know i i love the evolution of artists as well my my favorite artists reinvented themselves like every couple of years um even to this day like one of my favorite artists tyler the creator if you watch his career from like early 2010s all the way to now he was able to reinvent himself multiple times so for me, I uh, it's natural for me. I try on different hairstyles every couple of years, different uh, clothing styles. I've done it since I was in high school, probably college. And um, so this is just the, the probably the more stripped down version of me. Somebody liking me, you and God to like, they were talking about older artists from previous generations. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is like your uh, Justin Timberlake man man in the woods album this is like your <laughs> your um 
but it's also your Marvin Gaye. I, want I was about to, to say, I got more of a Marvin Gaye vibe. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's the, the Justin Timberlake comment. Like, it was more like where he was at at the time. He wasn't mm-hmm. suit and tie anymore. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. obviously, I'm not right now. Uh, mm-hmm. So Me, You, and God was my departure album. It could be Andre 3000's Love Below, Childish Gambino's Awakening. Uh, you see a lot of artists, especially people that started as rappers, or like rappy singers have an album that just felt different than all of them. And this is for sure my offering um, in that equation. So me and God started during the pandemic. And, you know, for anybody who had a pandemic day, like it did feel like we, you and the landscape that you were in, whether that was New York or Atlanta or Paris or in my case, Los Angeles, which had a lot of physical, natural landscape, unlike a lot of other uh, major U.S. cities. So Me, You, and God felt like a title that summed that up, but it also felt like a title that summed up my where I was individually, kind of like me, myself, and I, if you will. So it was just a perfect phrase to encapsulate where I was at. You know, and, and I feel like you're taking us with you on this. I love that you talked about uh, Los Angeles really informing where you were. And, you know, we see this with all kinds of writers. We see this with poets. We see this with novelists, you know, this sense of place and place for you, at least as as far as I've been following your career, has always featured pretty heavily in in your work, whether, you know, we're talking about, you know, this throwing it back to your heritage in your first Uh album. Uh, 85 to Africa, you know, you're really taking us from Atlanta uh-huh. across the Atlantic, you know. Um, you know, this this sonically, this album, you know, and I'm, I'm delving out of the writing and into that sonic space that I also inhabit as a singer-songwriter. You know, I, I really, I think a lot of us really felt that very LA vibe, you know, it's there in the instrumentation, it's there in just the vibes, right? You kind of workshopped this, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, and I was—I remember one one comment stood out to me that it feels like a score. You know, it's, so it's yeah. very cinematic. That's the word I'm looking for. It's very cinematic. Yeah. Um, talk to me about how place features into your writing. First, I want to highlight the reason why it feels like a score is because of the maestro Roman John Arthur, who was the lead producer on. Uh, this album and produced the majority of the project. Uh, there were some amazing other producers, Christian, uh, Gregory, Casey, uh, Dom, the bassman, um, and of course my co-executive producer for all my projects, Nana Kwabana. But that's like the cinematic score. You're getting that from Roman uh, predominantly. So shout out to one of my best friends. Uh, the, the way place influences sound and writing uh for me i completely jump into a new territory every project like the first project i was coming from new york but you know i just moved to atlanta so i'm i'm experimenting with trap i moved from my college uh area the bay to new york so like the first album has a combination of a bunch of things um, and I think it was too early for that because streaming wasn't as high. 
at that time, you know. So for artists like me to, you know, you look at the reviews, eccentric, eclectic, you know, it's like slight. Oh, I was like, one of those artists too, where they <laughs> yeah. didn't know what to do with so you because they were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're like this. I always like lightly dismissive. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm reading this. I'm like, y'all see it in due time, man. Like, y'all see that I'm I'm touching on Afro beats. Y'all see that mm-hmm. I'm I'm blending trap with other genres and not keeping it orthodox, like you know the original Atlanta sound. And sure enough, like li- literally the year after, everybody started to do more things, and that was album one. Um, second album, as you touched on, that was my move from Atlanta into uh, Africa and I was staying in South Africa but also traveling to different parts of course Nigeria um, this project I um, because I was in LA it was like my favorite time in LA every, it, it, like in all times is my favorite time was during the pandemic because nobody was out so there's no traffic Hollywood is pretty much dead you know or quiet and dormant so you could drive up my favorite highway in the U.S. called the PCH, for those of you who know, Route 1. And it, it rides along the west side of the entire coast. So I drove up and down that religiously. That's And, and I would I would go to beaches by myself. I, once I found this wonderful lady that was the muse for the project and my, my lovely partner to this day, I would do, drive with her. So... You know, after that, I would make a song, and that was pretty much my my daily regimen. And I lived in a downtown loft, so I was in the city. So I had the landscape, and then I had the city. I was chilling uh-huh. with my LA homies who were playing like LA funk, um, P funk, G funk, that and Midwestern funk, like Ohio players. So I was just all the way engrossed in that, and I had no pressure to make a hit song. So. That's why me, you, and God sounds the way it is. It, it's not trying to be anything. It's not. It's probably one of the purest, um, unadulterated versions of me. And um, like I have glimpses of it in other projects from songs. You hear Bambi, you're like, man, that's really his soul. But this one is a full body of work. It did not have a mission. It did not have uh, an objective other than to be itself. And I think that that's what, what, why I love it and why I'm so proud of it. I love that answer. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with Jadena and more Riding Black. I'm Torre. Join us for crazy true stories about stars who I really hung out with, like Snoop, Jay-Z, Prince, Kanye, and the time I got kidnapped by Suge Knight. Don't miss my animated series, Star Stories with Torre, from the Grio Black Podcast Network. All right, we are back with our guest today, Jadena, who is giving us so much. I mean, listen, this is really a rich conversation for me as a writer. Um, even though I don't currently write songs, I'm still a writer every day. And I, I love everything that you were just saying about evolution and purity and allowing a space and and even just you know where life takes us to uh inform what you're putting out i mean we have a lot of writers who listen to this podcast who are interested in craft and how people get from one place to another um and i think you know musicians as we know the industry itself is incredibly challenging we're 
and, and a really interesting crossroads that we're seeing with, you know, we're, we're having this conversation during the writer's strike. We're having oh, no. this conversation during the SAG strike. Musicians haven't quite gotten there yet, but there's a lot of rallying cries for that as well. Yeah. Um, and so it's really interesting to me um, to be speaking to creatives at this time. What do you think, um, as a writer, you know, as somebody who's worked in, in many mediums at this point, um, what, how do you feel, you know, I mean, because your own sound has evolved so much, you know, starting much more rap-based to now being probably something that I, I think most people would say is much more, I can't say it's more musical, it's it's more vocal in mm-hmm. terms of like singing. Um, how do you feel this merging of these landscapes, like what what what's next, you know, for us, you know, obviously we're seeing this encroachment upon craft what what is your response to that you know i was just speaking with a friend who works in uh, documentary film one of my best friends and she was talking about the importance of this time for the the writer strike and the sag strike and you know ultimately the crews these the, the people that put on these enormous productions and um <laughs> To be a hundred percent, one obviously I'm in support, but two I was jealous. Like my first emotion was jealousy, because I told her I was like, "Look, I'm all the way for it, but I think I'm feeling what what other like marginalized groups feel when they see black people fighting so hard. They be jealous, and they don't, we'll never talk about it. The reason I was jealous because musicians, artists, we don't even have a union." We don't even have step one. So like to organize us is going to take, it's going to take a a huge momentous declaration. And honestly, it's going to take us unionizing in some way, shape or form. And there's been other artists like Chance the Rapper who've spoken about this like years ago when he first came up. We need to have some sort of union because we, we are just out here, whether you're broke or you have money. Like I know people who have multi, uh, you know, make multi-million dollars a year and they don't have the the right health care coverage because they're trying to afford that lifestyle. Um, so what's next, I think, on the, the, the mus- musician and artist front is some sort of centralization. We live in a decentralized industry. So that's number one. Um, and two, I, my, my hope is that I see in, in the TV and film um, arena that we see maybe a new streaming service that or a streaming service that exists that highlights uh, some of the independent work that we see people uh, create, but we don't actually get to see. Um, I know that people are calling for the average person to unsubscribe to these big streaming platforms. I don't, I don't believe that most people will, but I, I understand the call. So I, at the end of the day, we just have to build structures that, uh, are fair and equitable and I love and support what's going on. Um, but yeah, what's next? I'm thinking about the musicians. Damn, we need to get in the race. Yeah. You know, I've, I've thought about it a lot too, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, on a lighter note, we're also having this conversation, um, during the 50th celebration of hip hop. I mean, we're sitting here, you know, 50th anniversary, uh, you know, those of us who are of a certain age, maybe remember, (laughs) 
some of uh, a lot of that genesis, a lot of uh, when hip hop really kind of like hit hit the mainstream, as it were. Um, and you are now part of that legacy. Uh-huh. And this is another art form that has evolved so tremendously. Um, do you see yourself the way that I'm seeing it in terms of like having a part in that legacy? And what what would you say that that is? That's a, that's it's such an interesting question, man. Because I grew up like hip hop was the thing when I grew up. Like I was benefiting from previous generations' work. You know, um, I grew up in a time when hip hop was already like the most popular music worldwide. So I didn't even know it was a. I didn't know I was privileged to have that. I, I didn't. It, it took me years to understand that. Yo, people worked to make a kind of like a folkloric culture, a mainstream culture that could provide income for the the artists that were involved. I grew up with like going to Best Buy. Like you, when I hear the, the, some of the OGs talk about like vinyl and digging in the crates and like romanticize, like rapping, like yeah, I, it's amazing. Cause like, I don't have any of that experience. I'm a millennial, you know what we do? We went to Best Buy with our moms. Like, yo, I want an e-machine or like a <laughs> Dell computer, mom, please. I got to make beats. And then we downloaded Fruity Loops and went on LimeWire and like, and then cut uh-huh. up samples like that. We were doing the same thing. Like the, the e-machines were dusty, you know what I'm saying? That was, but that was our tech and that's how we flipped it. And we would rap in the house more than the park. Like, so... And we would record more than we would freestyle. And now you see that, mm-hmm. like, you know, you people literally do that. Like, Gen Z, that, that's what they do. So it's been interesting to watch. And now we're at a time where there's other sounds. Like, house music is popping again. Um, uh, Afrobeats has taken the world by storm. And so hip-hop has contenders. And these other genres blend with hip-hop. So... What the way where I see myself fitting is I was one of the the people that would fuse other genres with hip hop. Um, it's, I'm not the only person, of course, but I'm one of the people that came at a pivotal time when streaming was just starting. So between you know 2015 to like 2020, the right at the dawn of the pandemic, that was the the evolution of streaming, and I was fusing these genres that you would that you now see are pretty ubi- ubiquitous across earth. So I'm I'm proud to be one of those. I'm proud to be a rebel. And I think that I got that from hip hop. Hip hop was like, don't do what other people are doing. Be, like Missy Elliott went left when everybody went right. Busta Rhymes went left when everybody went right. And so for me, when I saw everybody with their pants sagging, which I used to do and still, shoot, I do that today sometimes. But like it, it was out at that time, I'm like, what do I, how do I, do the opposite if they're going baggy i'm gonna go slim if they sag their pants i'm gonna wear suspenders if they dress casual i'm gonna dress up and so that was hip-hop to me and all the ogs knew that and that's why they 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 rated me early and i appreciate that because they saw i saluted i saluted too i I love this i'm having so much fun in this conversation we're going to continue it in just a second when we come back with more jadena and more writing black stay tuned the 80s gave us unforgettable songs from Bob Marley, De La Soul, and Public Enemy. I'm a black man, and I can never be a veteran. Being Black, the 80s is a podcast docuseries hosted by me, Torre, looking at the most important issues of the 80s 
through the songs of the decade. A decade when crack kingpins controlled the streets but lost their humanity. You couldn't be like those soft, smiling, happy-go-lucky drug dealers. You had to suppress that. It was a time when disco was part of gay liberation. It provided the information to counter narratives that were given to gay people by the straight world. This is the funkiest history class you'll ever take. Join me, Torre, for Being Black the 80s on the Grio Black Podcast Network or wherever you listen to podcasts. We are back with more Writing Black and our guest today, who I'm a huge fan of. I'm trying not to fangirl out. Jadena is here with us, uh, giving us so much rich stuff to talk about when it comes to writing, when it comes to influence, when it comes to hip hop and culture. And, you know, one of the things you were just talking about is um, this fusing of musical styles that, you know, I'm a firm believer in. I love seeing all those elements come together. Um, But it also speaks to a bigger uh, culture that I think you are very much also a part of. Um, which is this culture of collaboration, which we see obviously in music um, as a medium, much more than we might see in other creative mediums. You know, earlier you were shouting out uh, a whole gang of ridiculously talented uh, producers and collaborators. You are part of the Wonderland Collective, um, which again, just, you know, I was watching your video. um, I don't even know if it was the official video, but (laughs) for... um, front end yeah, yeah. off of this album. And I loved it so much. I loved everything about it. I loved that I couldn't tell who was doing what when. I loved I loved the friendship. Yeah. Uh, the obvious kinship. I, I, the the joy. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was so much of it to love there. Tell me about how like collaboration has functioned in your career. You know, because I you know I think writers we sometimes think of ourselves as like islands. Like we're just gonna like go in the room and we shut ourselves down. <laughs> and we're, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so cerebral. You know, um, but, you know, and yes, there's the occasional, you know, book coach or ghostwriter or what have you or, you know, but you very openly shout out your collaborators. Tell me about how collaboration functions for you as a creator. Man, you know, that that front end video was it wasn't like a official video. You know, my homie Patrick. Oh, it should be. It's so good. Yeah. we, <laughs> we could, I mean, we probably would done it up like if that was an official video like we would have tried to <laughs> choreograph it but patrick strives came over to shoot it uh my homie and, and uh he was like yeah i just he was actually he was, i don't know if he was coming to shoot that he just came to shoot and he was like yo how do you how do you guys make songs and we we're like all right just shoot, roll and uh we'll show you how we make songs so we have this idea mic that we hold which you see me holding and then we pass it do we make songs like that? We, If we co-produce, that's how it looks. We just get on different keys, guitars, bass, somebody, and then we rotate as engineer in the engineer seat because we can all engineer. Um, that's how we make songs. That's how Janelle makes songs. Uh, we've been making songs like that for like well over a decade. So it's very much like, I think, funk um, values. Everybody got a different swag. There's hip-hop recording styles, which is very immediate, 
Like it's very, Afrobeat's very immediate. Uh, funk is very like everybody jumps on an instrument. It's you know based on jazz theory in, in some ways, like just collective improv. Uh, rock is like more intense. Um, <laughs> so we take the funk aesthetic or funk approach, and that's how we collab. And everybody can. I'm not opposed to if somebody got a better bar than I got, then that bar knocks out. I'm not like, oh, I gotta be beholden to my bar. Like this is my writing. Um, I love, I love uh, collaboration with my homies. I don't do a lot of collaboration outside of Wonderland. Like here and there, you'll see somebody on my projects, but I'm that's where I'm like a shy, introverted writer. Like I freeze up in studio sessions with other artists. That's why I can't, I'm like, I still feel like a child in that way. And I'm okay with that because I, I see other artists that I've admired. They, they, when I, when they share how they are, then they feel like that. So, you know, some I'm still rectifying my social anxiety in that space, but I feel very comfortable when I'm at Wonderland. You know, I dig, I really dig that you, you are being transparent about, uh, things like social anxiety i have that too um and especially when it comes to you know i mean as as, as erica badu once famously said you know we're sensitive about our shit yeah you know? yep. <laughs> you yep. know, it's very difficult to kind of uh put that out there um oh and for our listeners i'm going to sidebar for a second if you want to see what i was referring to check out jadena's instagram page um it's a great behind the scenes that looks like it's like one shot it's, it's just a fantastic little I mean it's just a wonderful vignette and yeah I would be totally happy if that was just the video front end is the single um but uh back to what we were just talking about you know to me this discussion of things like you know you were you you were just talking about social anxiety you referred to having a muse on this project and a partner like there Mm -hmm. is and I you know that sensitivity that we're talking about I think is really shining through here in this project i think you know musicians in general you know we 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 tend to use our songs to kind of like exercise some (laughs) whatever we're (laughs) we're going through but there seems to be a very um in every aspect of how you have produced and even promoted this album because again you know i was talking earlier about you know um kind of marveling at like the workshopping process you did with this album where you on you actively engaged Mm -hmm. your audience and giving you feedback. And to me, that speaks to something deeper, which is a vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would love to hear your thoughts on vulnerability and how it is functioning for you as you continue to grow as an artist. Man, you know, I'll say this about vulnerability. It's definitely a buzzword. I hear that a lot right now, and I'm, I'm happy about it. It's actually a lot of black women encouraging black men to be vulnerable or not. I'm hearing that. I'm one of the people that got my ears open to that. Um, So thank you uh, to all the black women who have pushed us to enter in this new chapter for like black masculinity. Um, How does vulnerability play a role? Well, I I think that um, I think that I was always, I, I was raised by engineers. My father was an engineer, my brother, my sister, um, one of my sisters. And I looked at negative emotions or, or like, or 
emotions like sadness or anger as something I had to solve for. Like, oh, you feel this way. So how do you get out of this feeling? How do you solve for it as efficiently as possible? That's how I looked at it. And I think a lot of people do. And to be raised as a man, you actually do that whether or not you're aware of it. You know, how do I solve for this? And and uh, and then I did a tour in 2017 with Stromae. Um, that tour culminating culminated in Madison Square Garden with Stromae headliner and Janelle Monet and then myself. And after the tour, I'm chilling in a bar celebrating with Stromae's team. And his manager at the time takes me over to the bar. We're all faded, and he's like, he's like, I love everything you do. Lonely the chief is my my favorite. Um, the only thing is, uh, you got, you know, your problem. I was like, my problem, man. We just did Madison, Madison Square Garden. Like, I'm, I'm popping right now. What are you talking about? Like, it's 2017. I'm in my early prime. And he's like, no, your problem is you're too perfect. You're too perfect. He's like, look at, look at Paulo. That's Strome's name, Paul. He's like, Paul, he cries when he sings. You, he doesn't. He said, you have no vulnerability. And um, it struck me, man. So that, that like, actually that was 2016. So that, that winter, I did the writer thing. I went, I told everybody in my commun- artist commune in Atlanta to leave early to go see their families. Because I was spending December through January alone in this big rapper mansion that I had. <laughs> and I, I kicked everybody out. And I sat and I prayed and I thought and I felt. And I tried to think of a time where I felt really vulnerable. And um, out of that session came Bambi. And Bambi was my first like attempt to be vulnerable. And one of the greatest songs I ever wrote. To run the jungle, I must be a lion. Or be a cheater, but neither is fine. So this it's a favorite. Thank you. And so that was my entry point, but it wasn't the whole project. For this project, I had read so much like Bell Hooks. I had I I've read so much uh this dude Thomas Moore who writes Dark Knights of the Soul, Octavia Butler, um I've read, I don't know, like six books of Octavia Butler. She's one of my favorite authors. Obviously, started with Parable of the Sower, Kindred in high school, but mm-hmm. then Parable of the Sower, all the trilogy, the trilogies that followed that. Um, and one thing that, that the lead protagonist says in uh, Parable of the Sower when she's writing her journal called Earthseed is that everything you touch touches you. Everything you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Man, that struck me so hard. And I think that being okay with change, accepting change, is the entryway to vulnerability. And if you can accept that, then you can embrace where you are, however you feel, and you can sit in it knowing that it it shall pass, but kind of enjoy it if you can, or at least experience it in full when you're in it. And that's what I did for this project. I was embracing the change. I was embracing the feelings I had of falling in love, which I was afraid to admit. You, people don't be wanting that before. If somebody's like, yo, you in love? I'm like, huh, what, me? 
<laughs> nah, nah, I'm being man. She cool. She cool. Like we chilling. We just you know what I mean? Like why are we mm-hmm. so afraid? That's so lame. So I that's that's kind of my story and, and why I was able to create an album that probably had the sensuality that you heard in the nineteen seventies is because I was going through change and I was able to embrace. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. I, I have I have made people tear up on this podcast and you just made me tear up. Mm. And I feel some kind of way about it. I mm. guess I'm feeling vulnerable, Jadena. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling a little verklempt. Hey. You know, uh, as I was researching for this, you know, I researched all my, my uh, guests. And one of the things I loved is you did, uh, again, y'all, visit his Instagram page. It's mad fun. <laughs> um, you did a whole um, interview series with black men Asking them, have you ever been in love? Have you ever been in love? Have I ever been in love? <laughs> yes. I, 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 yes. I look just like I could be myself. Requires me the man that I say I want to be. Mm. And that uh, is one of those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me happy. Yep. I see her. As somebody I still respect outside being with her. I, I don't even know how to explain it. It was just so uh, wholesome as a word that came to mind. It was so, um, it was delicious, actually. It was delicious. <laughs> like, all these men, <laughs> you know, I don't even know if you expected some of those words to come out of some of those faces. Nah, where you were nah. like, uh-oh. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, on the unexpected tip, you know, it's so funny. I love I love when people can at- anticipate my needs. I typically ask my my guests uh, who they read, what what they love. You just gave us some amazing shout outs. I yes. mean, you know, Bell Hooks and Octavia Butler alone are, he- I mean, you know, major influences on, on my own life, my own writing. But since you anticipate <laughs> my needs, you know, I do, you know, you refer to yourself, you know, as, as a nerd. I know you, you know, a lot of people might not know you're like a Stanford grad and, you know, like done all sorts of like comparative studies on on race and whatnot uh, um, <laughs> which is you know I love that I love a I love a multi-dimensional uh artist um but mm-hmm. since you have given us some shout outs on who yeah. who you love to read I would love to know you know I know it's a little early because you just released an album but what's on the horizon for Jadetta? well uh, well I just made a recent announcement that uh was pretty major and um i had to it it took a lot of deliberation so for the listeners who have not heard uh i decided to forego my own tour to jump on the road with janelle monet and so i am on the road with my sister um one of my great friends and creative partners Uh, i'm so honored to do that because you know this is it's a special moment for her she's in talk about vulnerability she is in a, a very free space free and fun and funky and uh um, she's in full bloom right now she's in man. full bloom yeah <laughs> 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 um it's dope because i've known her for years so i've, I've known the private mm-hmm. side to see her display uh the private side quite literally like in public is beautiful to watch we've talked about it for years mm-hmm. and um it's funny because, like, for for the rollout of this album, I had thought about like, I was like, man, what if I just like roll around naked in the nature with my girlfriend and like film that? Um, that was one of the concepts that we had and get like a drone shot and zoom in. 
and um, we didn't end up doing it. But then I saw Janelle's rollout. I was like, "Yep, we on the same wave." Pleasure, <laughs> sensuality, feeling free wherever we at. Um, so Janelle, it's gonna be a naked tour. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> be so funny. <laughs> it's just the the headliner, me, the, the opening act. None, none of us DJ. We was all just butt ass naked. <laughs> We would be like, yeah, these motherfuckers <laughs> crazy in Wonderland. I don't know what kind of shrooms they are. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm really excited about that. Um, after uh tour, I have a another project that I'll be rolling out. Um, you know, I left people for a few years without music, so it's my obligation to serve to serve the people that helped lift me up. But more importantly, it's just an obligation to myself to be consistent and to not be a perfectionist. And uh, the second project is definitely, it's a whole different me, you know. It's it's actually where I feel like I am now, even though I'm in the middle of rolling out me, you and God. It's way more um, Afro fusion house dance music, and it's trancy. So you, you talked about my major a little bit at Stanford. The full major, I, the department I was in was a race and ethnicity department, but my major is a major that I created called Ritual Art. It's the it's studying the art of rituals in different cultures around the world, um, and that I have utilized that in my marketing. But this next project is going to be steeped in my spiritual side, and that's the side that I have not put on full display because it's very private <laughs> to me. But I'm gonna put it out there. And it's probably gonna turn a lot of heads, and it, it's it's going to challenge notions of religion, and um, and especially in relationship to what where black people are and where we want to go. Um, I have some 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 perspectives there that I want to share. So that's what's next. Um, outside of that, once the uh, strikes are over, <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to really delve into my acting career because it's something that I've wanted Fantastic. to train in for a minute. Fantastic. You hear that, y'all? The evolution continues. Uh, I, for one, am, am looking forward to this tour, uh, but I'm also, you know, I'm looking forward to this project, this tour. This conversation was so fun for me. Yeah. Um, and so inspiring as well. Thank you so much for joining Thank us you, on Writing I, Black. I appreciate you. Yo, y'all go out, uh, check out uh, Me, You, and God. And really, you know, I love the way these albums, you know, that they play with each other, you know. So I found myself delving back into your entire catalog. I think a lot of your uh, fans, old and new, will do the same. So thank you again for joining the GRIO today. Thank you, Marge. I really appreciate you. Thank you for just having a conversation. Yeah. you know and my, just my pleasure and knowing what you're talking about you know what i mean like so many people they don't do that they don't take the craft seriously and i can tell you do um and i can tell you have real passion and interest in what you do so thank you for that and i'm tearing up again he has this effect <laughs> on me y'all all right <laughs> get me out of here before i start sniffling <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, you know, listen, that was an amazing conversation with Jadena and uh, I get into it. Get into Me, You and God. It's a beautiful album. He's obviously in a beautiful phase. Uh, I was super inspired by that conversation. I hope you were, too. But of course, now it's time for us to get into 
another favorite thing of mine, which is recommending books. This is the portion we like to call my favorites, recommended reads. Um, you know, we are celebrating the 50th year of hip hop. And, uh, you know, I, I'm big on ladies first, yo. So this is the Motherload 100 plus women who made hip hop. This is by Clover Hope. Um, it's got a great graphic quality. There's illustrations here by Rochelle Baker. You know, here on the cover, you can see Lil' Kim. You've got Nicki Minaj, uh, Missy, Queen Latifah, obviously, you know, our classics here. Uh, Clover Hope is a um, fantastic writer. Uh, she's been at this for a, a, quite a while. And uh, she really did a deep dive here. And there's just some really cool stuff there. Um, another, this is, now I'm big on hidden talents, you know, like we were just talking to Jadena. Jadena, obviously he's got a lot of talents, a lot of things he wants to explore. Um, and I love it when somebody surprises us. And one surprise I got this year was this trilogy of graphic novels by Chuck D, you know? like, so this is called Studio. It's a, he calls it a Nafic Grovel art trilogy of Chuck D. And you really get to see another side to this hip hop pioneer um, as he kind of takes us through these adventures. I mean, there's three volumes here, but this is really, uh, I mean, it's published on Enemy Books as in Public Enemy. And this is really a collector's item. I totally recommend if you're a fan of Chuck D, if you're a fan of hip hop, grab this because what were the odds? Did you see that coming? I didn't see it coming. Um, but that is, those are my recommendations for this week. I hope you will be with us in the future. Uh, for more episodes of Writing Black, remember you can catch up on all of the old episodes on the Griot Black Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. But until next time, I hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Writing Black. As always, you can find us on the Griot app or wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Torre. Join us for crazy true stories about stars who I really hung out with, like Snoop, Jay-Z, Prince, Kanye, and the time I got kidnapped by Suge Knight. Don't miss my animated series, Star Stories with Torre, from the Griot Black Podcast Network. <laughs>